this week, I've been thinking about, uh, you know, God's call. I mean, think about the idea of call and response. Call and response. You know that, like in liturgical churches, call and response is kind of a, it's kind of a thing. Any of you have a liturgical church background? Uh, one, one that uh, even a lot of uh, evangelical churches will do at Easter. They'll be like, "He is risen." Yeah. So we kind of, we kind of know that one. You know, he is risen. He is risen indeed, and that's one sort of a call and response that, that we've kind of kept. I, I was thinking of the most famous call and response of all, though. I mean, like the one that, that we know, that we all know, and that we've all been practicing uh, uh, since, since our youth. You probably know it. You probably know it. So let's do it now together. All right? Are you ready? Marco. Yeah, see, that was way better. That was way better. Uh, everybody knew that one, and you kind of just felt the faith come and, and, and the room. Yeah, God is good all the time. Um, what, what, it, what is Marco Polo? If, if uh, like, I don't know, you grew up on the moon or something, and you don't know this, but Marco Polo is a game that you play when you're uh, in the water, you're in a pool, or on the beach, and uh, one person is it, and they close their eyes, and they say, Marco, and then everyone else has to say, Polo, and then you thrash through the water, you try and try and uh, uh, tag the people who responded. So it's sort of an echolocation game. It's a, it's, it's, it's a finding game. It's a game for, for seekers. Are you out there? Yes, I am. Are you out there? Yes, I am. It's kind of what it is. So now I've made it spiritual, haven't I? See what I did there? You didn't know. You didn't know that Marco Polo was training your soul for the search for God in your life, reaching out for faith in, in your blindness, um, your blindness you call out, right? And you're hoping that there's some entity, some being in the universe that responds. Are you feeling me? Yeah. Come on, this is, this is high liturgy here. Uh, so let me ask you as a warm-up question this morning, just to kind of uh, stay in that vein, and, uh, and think about this. Think about it, and think about it in a timely, right-now sort of way. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Think about that for eight seconds. What are you looking for? In life, right now, what's going on? What are you looking for? All right. Answer. What are you looking for? Courage. Courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, courage. A virtue that doesn't get talked about enough. What was that, Samuel? Confidence. Confidence. Very close. To always see the joy. To always see the joy. Yeah. Because there's a life skill. Yeah, that's super important. To always see the joy. You don't get far without joy, right? Uh, you get weakened. So that's a great skill. What else? Purpose. Purpose. Looking for purpose. Now there's a universal human call out. What is my purpose, 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 purpose? Reasons and answers. Reasons and answers. Could you be more general? <laughs> stuff. stuff. All right, looking for, looking for answers to stuff about that thing. Yeah. Reasons and answers. I mean, more, more, to, that, more to that response than, than you might initially credit um, uh, because if you're looking for reasons and answers, you're looking, right? You're looking. You're looking for, for reasons for things. Um, then you are not a lazy 
soul are you? Uh, there's another hand somewhere. I'm sorry. What was it? Steadfastness. Steadfastness. You're looking for how to, how to, uh, how to stand uh, strong and straight and not be shaken no matter what happens. That's a good one. And then who has the best answer? We've saved the best for last. Who is it? What are you looking for? Car keys. Your car keys. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You need one of those clickers. Marco. Yeah. Um, but I have been thinking about this idea of, of call. And specifically, you know, it's someone who thinks a lot about ministry and culture. I've been thinking about what it means to, to put the call out today. You know, John the Baptist was described as a voice of one calling out in the wilderness to his generation and to his people. How do, how do you put the call out today? Um, in, in our culture. And, uh, you know, there's a part of calling that means to call away from something. It's like, what are we calling people away from? And then, of course, there's part of a call, which is like calling people to something. What, what are we calling people to? And I really think you need to do both sides of that well in order to have a powerful call. And uh, I'm not sure that I always do both sides of it really well. Much of the history of God and humanity as we know it, um, which is to say much of Scripture, that's really what Scripture is. It's the long history of God and humanity. Um, much of that history is built around call and response. You know, Even more than I think that history is built around belief and non-belief. If I think about the actual stories in the Bible, like the actual structure of Scripture, uh, if there were like one, one principle, one motif that I think defines uh, the stories and the ages that we read about in the Bible, I would say it's call and response. People calling out to God, God responding, God calling out to people, often individuals, sometimes groups of people, and those people responding or not. Uh, as, as the case may be. And the reason I say it's more call and response than belief and non-belief is because often in Scripture you see God call non-believers and then occasionally he has to call believers. He has to call believers out of where they are into something else, you know. Say, young family with four kids, well, why don't you leave your life and, and uh, go wherever I send you. Um, that happens sometimes, I hear. Um, why don't you leave the world and come into the kingdom? Uh, that's uh, a common one. And it doesn't matter where you are. It only matters if you listen. You know, it doesn't matter what your background is. You know, and scripture makes that super, super, super clear. Uh, and so there's a skill in the kingdom of God, which is like, hear the call, you know, or seek the call. And that's a great place to start. And that's a great way to make progress no matter where you are. And then there's another piece of it, which is maybe you need to be a caller, right? Maybe you need to stand steadfastly in your generation and shout out and be the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight uh, the way of the Lord, you know, calling people uh, back to God because he shares that ministry uh, with us now. Uh, we are all callers and responders in, in some way. Are you listening? Is God calling you? Uh, away from what to what? Are you calling out uh, to others? Are you at that place uh, yet? 
And there's so many great individual stories of call and response in, in Scripture. Abraham, you know, he got called in Genesis 12, and that started everything for so many of us around the world, you know, um, in terms of like world faith systems, and Judaism and Christianity and Islam all trace their roots back to this one guy uh, getting called away from his family uh, into a new place and a new system of belief. Moses, of course, was called. We know about his story. It has to do with the burning bush. That was impressive. Um, you know, Samuel was called. David was called. Mary was called. That's a story that we all know from uh, Christmas readings annually. Uh, Peter gets called. Saul, the apostle, gets called in a crazy way. He gets blinded, um, you know, which is sort of the first historical recording of Marco Polo, in a way. Um, it's, a, it's one thing to believe. This is what I'm saying. It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to be called. Right? And it's one thing to serve, but it's another thing to call out to be one who calls uh, in, in the wilderness. Anyway, so I've been thinking about that, so I thought I'd do uh, a few weeks on that uh, theme as we approach uh, the all-church retreat um, in which we will um, do uh, the theme of the retreat. will will be uh, a bit about the call, the kingdom call, and kingdom uh, life to, together. And, uh, and just to reflect on some of these call stories in, in Scripture, and, and uh, hopefully to let it ruminate in your soul, in, in, in your, your spirit. Um, because I think, I really, really think that this is a season of call in, in the world. At least in the part of the world that I'm, I'm familiar with. I think God is calling out quite a bit uh, to people. And I think uh, many of us will be gathered into calling others. I think that sort of... Um, the proper response to the age that we're living in right now and to the season that we're living in right now. Um, I got uh, a phone call earlier this week uh, from uh, a young guy who had visited Blue Water uh, a few weeks ago. Not a believer, um, but had wandered in uh, to the church, invited by uh, a friend and as often happens at Blue Water uh, services uh, with non-believers, they got uh, a prophetic word, like one of the you know, prophetic elders sort of gave him uh, a word. It's like, oh, I, I don't know you, but I think God is telling you something and shared this word uh, with, with the guy. Um, and, you know, not to be too personal about it, but the gist of it was, hey, you know, God's... Uh, Effectively, God's calling out to you. That was kind of uh, the gist of the word with personal specifics uh, aside. And then he left. <laughs> left the church. He's like, wow, this is a weird place, you know. Interesting, but weird. Which I think is pretty much a universal reaction uh, to Blue Water Mission. And then he, then he ended up calling me uh, in the middle of this week. And it's like, hey, um, you know, I'm not even sure how he got the number. Uh, but uh, he was a seeker. He was a seeker. I'm fairly easy to find, actually. And he said, hey, you know, it's me. You don't know me. Um, but, you know, I visited your church. And I would met him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, and then, uh, you know, 
some people prayed for me. And, um, uh, and said that God would be uh, calling out to me. And then, like, since then, I haven't been able to sleep. <laughs> and, and when I do sleep, I have all of these weird dreams and stuff like that. So I, I haven't been able to sleep. When I do sleep, I have these dreams. And I'm just, I'm just feeling uh, really funny. I'm distracted all the time. It's like there's something going on. Do you think that might be God? Being a really, really good pastor, I said, could be. <laughs> and then, you know, then we had the rest of the conversation. And, and obviously, you know, the Lord's uh, working with this, this young fellow. But that's what I mean. Like, I think the call is going out. And I think the, go- the call is going out in a lot of spiritual ways. And I think also this might just be a, a unique flavor. Um, it works in our church. Um, which is like if you come, and Blue Water is a fairly spiritual place, you are likely to get a very spiritual call, by which I mean kind of like a, a call to your spirit, right? Not, not just to your head, but, but to your spirit. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to haunt you in a great way, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an itch. It's going to be an agitation, um, as calls often are, and we'll read some of those Bible stories in this short sermon series, um, uh, the, the call of the Lord can be haunting, and then it's empowering, uh, and then it's life-changing. And uh, we at Blue Water Mission uh, dedicate ourselves to being haunters. Turn to somebody and say, you're spooky. There's a very a couple of quick scriptures this morning, uh, just just for reflection, just kind of get the ball uh, rolling on this, um, which is all I'm going to do, and then I'm going to trust the Lord to uh, to do uh, a lot of the work on a spiritual level uh, outside of church uh, for us. Again, I think that's season, and I think that's that uh, we're going to see a lot of that at the Holy Spirit retreat. But I thought I would start uh, with a couple stories from the beginning. I, I thought I, I'd start with a couple very quick stories from the book of Genesis. Have you read it? Yeah. Uh, it's the first book in the Bible, and therefore the easiest one to find. Um, Genesis uh, comes from the word to generate, you know, same, same root, and, and it's about the beginning. In the beginning um, is uh, how it opens. And, uh, and then it tells all of these uh, primal stories, these primary stories about the creation of the universe and the world and, you know, the first uh, people, however you define people, um, you know, the, the earth and the animals uh, pre-existed us. And then man and woman get made. You guys know all those stories, right? And the creation story is actually told a couple different times. Um, I love Genesis, man. I could spend my whole life in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. And I think, I think people totally misunderstand what the book of Genesis is. This is a little bit of an aside, excuse me, but I just, I just love it so much. People misunderstand where it is. Um, my daughter, Jojo, is home for the summer from college, and we were watching this uh, lecture on YouTube about the, this guy's a historian of religion, and he was telling the... Uh, comparative creation myths and stuff like that. And we're just listening to the lecture. And he said in the lecture what everybody says. And it's wrong. It's like, it's so wrong. 
it says that, uh, well, the, the book of Genesis was written in about the 5th century B.C., which is crazy. What happened there is that this guy Ezra, you read about in the Bible, he compended uh, the Bible into more or less, his Old Testament to more or less its present source, and Genesis was one of those. But of course, it had been an oral tradition for eons before that. And, but the guy said, and to create the book of Genesis, the authors borrowed from the creation myths of the Middle East. No, 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 no. That's not what happens. Uh, the book of Genesis is the primary myth from which all Middle East cultures borrowed their accounts. And it's really clear when you read it. You know, I'll do the Genesis series sometimes, and we'll go through it. But what Genesis is, it's the oldest memory that human civilization has about itself. That's what it is. It's not, it's not just the first book in the Bible. It's the oldest memory that humans have about humanity. And, of course, being an old memory, it's archaic in the way that it's expressed. It's kind of filled with reflections and shadows. But humanity tried really, 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 really hard to remember the basic things that made us human in the first place, that called us out of where we were. That's what Genesis is. Uh, and so you may know the stories. i get off my soapbox now. That's not actually what we're talking about. But uh, you know the stories. There's a creation story, and then there's this thing called the fall. Boo. Uh, where uh, humans kind of had good opportunities at the beginning, but we screwed ourselves up didn't we? And uh, then one of the early repercussions of the fall, like the children of Adam and Eve were Cain and Abel. They had a conflict, you know, first sibling rivalry, and Cain ends up killing Abel in this, this tragically beautiful story. Um, and then immediately after that, which is the beginning of chapter four, we get a catalog of kind of how things skewed from there. Cain, after his murderer, gets marked with safety by God and sent into the world as if God were saying, hey, you're, you're a serious screw-up. Go be human. And it says the first thing it is, he went out and he built cities and he was inventive and he was entrepreneurial, like everything that really sets humanity apart. And he went east of Eden and married into the people that were there which is like, how are there people there if they're only friends? Well, yeah, we'll go through that sometimes. Um, but you've got to expand your mind a little bit to understand Genesis well. And, and, and then we get these catalogs of the generation. Uh, you know, Cain uh, gave birth to Enoch, and uh, then Enoch gave birth to Arad, who was the father of Mahuel, and, you know, and then it just kind of goes on and on. And there's this guy, Lamech, that shows up. In, in, in verse 19, and Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. And that seems like a castaway comment in the account of Genesis, but what's going on here is that Lamech was the guy, he was the first sexual entrepreneur. He was like, you know what's good? Marrying one woman. You know what could be better? <laughs> Playing the field, baby. Like, he was that guy. He was the original, uh, and, and uh, so he decided to innovate uh, sexually. And, and humanity, 
knew enough to record that moment so that it could be passed down through all the generations. This is where, this is where we went astray and murdered people for the first time. This is where we went astray and, and, and started becoming sexually twisted for the first time. That's what Genesis is, all of these crazy stories. And, uh, and uh, Lamech uh, eventually says, have I killed a man? You know, it's not like I killed anybody. Why, why, are you, why are you making fun of me? If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. In other words, Cain got away with murder. I'm just getting away with sleeping around. So don't judge me. So he was the first guy to use the, hey, don't judge me excuse. It's not like I'm hurting anyone. This was consensual. He was the first guy to use that excuse. He's an innovator. I don't think you're impressed uh, as you should be. <laughs> Like, he's, he was the father of many cultures. Uh, and it goes on. And then, and then Adam and Eve uh, have another guy, Seth, and sort of start another branch of the family. Uh, and Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. And then at the end of chapter 4, and this is the verse that I want to call out, is this. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord which is a, a verse that you could just skip right over in the book of Genesis. But I think it is one of the watershed verses in human history. Right? We got started well. We screwed it up. We progressively got worse and worse. We innovated evil in different ways. And then eventually, humanity, we were just a little small civilization at that point, we looked around and it was like, we need help. Let's call out to that God guy. You remember him? Let's call out. And that was the first sort of call for response right, in, in human history. Um, is anybody there? Hello? Remember us? Uh, we're not feeling too good. We might have made a mess of this. We're not really sure what to do now. Um... Creator, hello, that, that's kind of what that, that, that moment was. And then from there, the story progresses to Noah. Uh, and you know uh, that verse. We had lost track uh, of God. Marco. Hello. Marco. Hello. That's what was going on. <laughs> that's what was going on. Is anybody out there? I've, I've become blind uh, I need to hear your voice, God. Uh, we recognize that, that we have gone uh, blind. Uh, to not know God, it turns out, very quickly leads to disobedience, murder, and uh, sexual uh, uh, abuse, uh, cheapening, uh, in a way. Um, so that's what it means to not call out to God. That's where you end up. But to call out to God, then what does that lead to? And it turns out that that leads to the rest of this book. Right? And the rest of the book is kind of the evolution of call and response. I know it's not typical for a pastor to use the word evolution with respect to Genesis. Uh, but, uh, but I do. It's an evolving story. Um, I suppose I want you to think about uh, two things uh, going forward. Um, is God calling you? 
And uh, should you be calling others? And the reason I, I start with uh, some Genesis reflections is because I want you to know that calling out to God and listening for his call for you, that's what made us human in the first place. That's the very, very core of who we are as people, as human beings. And if we don't do that, then we very quickly become sick, right? In ways that we can't even control, as it turns out. Um, so is God calling you? Uh, do you want to hear his call? My guess is that every person here would. Every person here would. Um, so uh, listen, put a Marco out there in the universe and see if God doesn't give you a polo, right? Which won't be <clears throat> satellite coordinates, you know, but it will be a sound. It will be a call that you get to follow, right? You get to thrash through the water toward uh, the voice of the Lord. And... Uh, if you understand that, then you understand what you're calling people to, right? When I call you to follow Jesus, when I give an evangelistic invitation and say, follow Jesus, that's basically what I'm saying to you. It's like, God is calling out. Open your ears and listen. You might be going this way. Maybe you need to go this way because that's where you heard the polo. I'm using that analogy far too much, but you follow, right? Right? Chase that thing. And it will change everything about you. That's how it was at the very beginning. And that's how it was ever been. I'll close today uh, with uh, uh, the story. I'll just read a few verses of what we think of as, you know, like the original call, which is the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, the transition from Genesis chapter 11 to Genesis chapter 12 is the transition from all those ancient memories that people had about humanity to the story uh, of a person and how the story of that one person then changes the whole world. So it becomes very personal suddenly in Genesis chapter 12, and it has to do with this, the call of this guy named Abram. He would eventually change his name to Abraham, and that's how uh, we know him today. But let me just read the opening verses of the personal story that now every believer plays a part in. Uh, it's really amazing that the world should have shaped up this way. Um, this was recorded thousands of years ago, but there are uh, approximately uh, four and a half billion people on the planet now who are followers of this story. Uh, extraordinary, extraordinary piece of human history. But here's how it began. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. That's the first line we get of the story of faith on planet Earth. Right? Like, we don't even know who Abram is, but the Lord said to Abram, who? We barely know who the Lord is at this point. The Lord says to this guy, Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And there it is, the anatomy of a call. Hey, it's God. I'm calling you away from everything you have. And I'm sending you to 
something you get to discover. That anatomy has, has never changed. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Huh? This is an interesting conversation. Uh, I, will ex- I will turn you, Abraham, into a great mass of people. Did that happen? It happened, right? Uh, unlike uh, any other uh, individual in the history of planet Earth, this guy has become a family. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And this is where we get this catchphrase, blessed to be a blessing. Called that you might call others. That's the anatomy of spiritual life on planet Earth. And it's all there in these first few verses. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Lot's his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. That's interesting. He was an old dude, even by uh, the standards of that age. And he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there, eventually arrived there. So that's how the story starts, and it goes on from there. What do we know? God called, and he said, you're going to have to leave what you are. You're going to go to a place you get to discover. And Abram said, okay. He took off, and he put everything he had into it all the family, all the possessions, all of his wealth, and that's really what made him Abraham. The fact is that he responded to the call. He uh, put a call out, hey, Lot, you want to come along? And um, and didn't hold anything back, right? Never planned to return, uh, and, and indeed uh, never did. This is a classic call and response the classic spiritual Marco Polo uh, of humanity. So call uh, of faith, which is to say he was not called to certainty, he was called to an adventure. Go, where am I going? I'll show you. You know, how'd you like that from Google Maps? (laughs) You know, how do I get to that restaurant? Well, just start driving, we'll figure it out along the way. That would be interesting. If I were making uh, like an AI, Google Maps type application, that's how I would do it. Well, turn left, and then I'll ask you some pointless questions, and I'll tell you which way to turn when we get to the stoplight. Wouldn't that make life more interesting? What that would require would be courage, and uh, you know, a unique amount of confidence as the Lord uh, sets out to restore Abraham's trust in him, to, to teach people uh, to trust the Lord, which is what we did not do in the Garden of Eden and in the stories of following. Uh, and of course, the rest is history. Uh, but note the connection between being called and being a caller, being blessed by God and being a blessing for others. Those always go together. We are people who are defined by call, by which I mean you are who you are because God called you, and he's called you to call others uh, to be who they are uh, in the Lord. Um, and I think um, 
the proper thing to think about first, uh, particularly if you're starting out in your life of faith with God, is what is God calling you away from? Because most of your immediate decisions will have to do with that. It's like, because every change is a decision. And you know what decision means? You know what scission means? Like incision? It means to cut. You know what a decision is? Decision literally means to cut away. Right? So if you're going to make a decision in life, then by definition, you're going to have to cut away from something. That's really what it means to be decisive. Right? And we get into problems when we start out on our journey, but, but we don't. <laughs> you know? Uh, we don't burn the bridges uh, behind us. And the first part of a call is usually come away. Come away. And we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, next week. But what I like to do to close is just to kind of pray um, that you would hear the call of the Lord in your life. Now again, God calls non-believers and God calls believers. God is calling out all the time. Sometimes he's calling you to change your life and to leave something that you've held to be sacred but probably shouldn't. Sometimes he's calling you with directions. Hey, you've got to turn left at the corner or you're going to miss my purpose for your life. Sometimes he's giving you a direction, uh, excuse me, he's giving you a destination without a lot of direction and you need to figure out the path as you go. But he's always calling, right? He's always calling. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, the voice of the Lord is speaking today, right? We remembered that from the early days. We remembered that there was a God who speaks. We remembered that there was a God who calls. And so we called out on his name. We called out on his name. We called out for him. That's the first thing we ever remembered about God in Genesis chapter 4. And it's the most reliable thing about God today. Right? You can call out to him because he's a God who responds. He's a God who calls back. You know, he's a God who returns your call. That's nice. So, Father God, I pray uh, for your call uh, in this fellowship, and I pray that this would be a fellowship of the call, uh, that we would um, be those who call out to others because we have been called by you, that we bless others because we have been blessed by you through relationship uh, with you. We are people of the call, therefore we are people of faith. We are people who are called, therefore we are people of adventure. Uh, we are people who are called, and therefore we are people of courage and purpose. All these things come to us because we have responded to your call. I have great confidence in the Lord's supernatural presence. I have supreme confidence that he will call you, that he will agitate you, that he will prevent you from sleeping, that he will give you dreams, that he will make you feel funny, that he will constantly lead you back to reminders. I have supreme confidence in the presence of the Holy Spirit to do all of those things. And so I encourage you, brothers and sisters, simply to listen. Simply to listen. You don't have to manufacture the call. Uh, it will come. In 
Jesus' name, amen.